Hello and welcome to episode 154 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom. To find out more about the Dexcom G5, you can go to Dexcom.com forward slash Juicebox. The episode is also sponsored by Omnipod. To try a free no-obligation demo pod today, go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. This is the one you've been waiting for. Shacy Petrovic is back, the COO of Insulate, of Omnipod, of your favorite tubeless insulin pump. Shacy's going to update us on all kinds of stuff, including the imminent release of the new Dash PDM. Huge thanks to all of you who sent in questions through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and email. Really should consolidate that somehow, but you guys sent in a bunch of questions for Shacy, and I think I got through all of them. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan. Hi, this is Shacy. Shacy, hi, Scott. How are you? Hi, Scott. Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Can you hear me okay? I can, yeah. Cool. Can you hear me? I'm very good. I can hear you fine. I understand we're both on a tight schedule today, so that's handy for both of us. Let me jump right in um, so we don't waste time because I know we're going to talk about a lot. And I do just want to say one, one thing that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I think that your visits on the podcast are really being heard by people because not as many people are calling you Stacy online anymore. <laughs> that is progress. I God. really think we're making progress here. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you for you know helping me correct the uh, the misunderstanding in the marketplace. I just noticed that recently. I was like, I used to just say, "Hey, I'm going to be speaking with Stacy Petrovic, blah blah." Whole thing, and then people would say, "Can you please ask Stacy? Can you please ask Stacy?" It's happening much <laughs> less now. So you're definitely <laughs> getting your repetition in. So where should we start? How about with the new Dash PDM? Can you tell me a little bit about that, how the FDA submission is going and what we should expect as far as timelines and other details? Yeah, I, uh, terrific. You know, we're really excited about DASH. This has been a program in the works for uh, a couple of years now. And the whole idea with DASH is to move to uh, to leveraging mobile uh, technology in order to drive value for our customer base. So we um, uh, are modernizing the PDM, uh, and that actually the PDM will be a locked down cell phone, so have very much the experience of um, a cell phone in terms of touchscreen, uh, intuitive, uh, modern um, interaction, a really great user interface, a ton of work being done there. And then it also moves the system to Bluetooth uh, communication. And so um, both the PDM and the pod will communicate via Bluetooth. The great thing about that is it sort of unlocks all the data from the PDM and the pod so that we can start to really provide um, you know, some benefits uh, to our users, things like apps, a secondary display app that we call Omnipod Display on a user's mobile phone, and then also uh, what we call Omnipod View, which is a follower or viewer app for caregivers. So all of that was submitted to the FDA in January, and um, uh, and also is the platform kind of for our future uh, innovations. And so uh, we're now working with the FDA as they progress their review. The plan would be, um, you know, if this goes like uh, most submissions, that it would be approved sometime uh, middle of the year. We would move into a limited market release and then move into full market release towards the end of the year. Okay. And, and so that process isn't too tough because I think we talked about it before because this Android device is, it's not like you're the only ones in the world using them. They are the 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 base the the base of it is is manufactured at pretty much at a high rate around the world. Yeah, that's right. Millions of these, and so that that offers huge benefits to our users. And you know that was the trade off. We talked about that in the context of um, you know we will not have an integrated meter in uh, the device any longer right. because we're we're essentially moving to a consumer electronics device. And the huge benefit of that is that, you know, millions of these are manufactured across the globe. Um, so highly reliable, um, you know, very modern, um, uh, very much a device that a consumer expects in terms of the experience. And then gives us a lot of flexibility because it's software-based. 
um, gives us a lot of flexibility in terms of how we can, over time, develop the user interface and really respond to user needs. The downside, of course, is the fact that we don't have a meter integrated into the device. We made that choice um, because you know, more and more of our users are using CGM and um, more and more of our users are dosing off their CGM so we could sort of see where the market was going there. And uh, Essencio uh, was great in working with us to ensure that even though it's a separate device, it's highly integrated via Bluetooth. The experience is, is seamless in terms of that data feeding into our bolus calculator without any, you know, just in an automated fashion. So we thought we could provide, um, you know, all the benefits of a consumer device and uh, and offset with mobile technology some of the challenges of having a separate meter. Well, I think you walk the tightrope really well because, I mean, I'll say that there's it's great that the meter's in the PDM. Like, it just there's just one yeah. less thing to fumble for. But at the same time, I completely understand everything you just said, and I understand the need to be able to move forward with more flexibility, especially because what this means is if a smaller device comes out later, you know, or, so, or, or you guys just want to change, yeah. it's a quick, easy change. I, I think the one concern that I hear amongst people is if I don't have a Dexcom or I'm, or I'm not comfortable dosing from what my Dexcom says, you know, yeah. I, think, I think people feel abandoned, but at the same time, I don't see it that way. So, yeah. you know, and I get, yeah. how, I get how they I can feel like that. that. You know what I mean? Like, but at the same yeah. time, I mean, yeah. it's not there. And I think, I think a little bit of time will prove that out for them. Because in the end, I think the Android device you're going to provide plus the, the new meter is is in form smaller than the than the PDM now, yeah. right? So you're ca- you're carrying less stuff. It just yeah. it's, it's, there's two pieces, I guess. That's that's exactly right, and that's that is we did make the PDM smaller and sleeker, and the Essentia meter itself very small and sleek. So the case and the user experience overall with Bluetooth connectivity and the auto entry into the bolus calculator, very strong user experience. Mm-hmm. And so um, we did, we were very thoughtful about it. We recognize that people uh, appreciate the fact that they're integrated. Um, and this will enable us to integrate with all sorts of, you know, meters down the line. And that's the beauty of kind of also moving the data to the mobile phone is that depending on the sensor that people are using or the generation of Dexcom sensor that the uh, that users are using, they will have that integrated experience on their mobile phone with data and not have to worry about the integration on the hardware. I see somebody coming up really simply with a third party like small leather case that goes around the Android device and holds the meter. And I think that ends everybody's concern. Um, yeah. You, you, yes. you know, you know, because, and I get being like when something's been the same way for so long, it, I mean, it was my yeah. first thought. I think I was, I was somewhere with you guys and I heard it for the first time maybe like a year and a half ago. And I was like, Oh God, don't do that. And then as I thought about it, you know, and then as I thought about it more, I'm like, well, it only makes sense. We you can't keep, if you keep combining this medical device with this electronic thing, it's just, there's just going to be too many speed bumps along the way. Too, because when you do market research, you know it is just funny. You're, we are obviously trying to please as many people as possible with our innovations, and you talk to the existing user base um, that uses about eighty percent of our user base actually uses the integrated meter, and they like it. Um, then you talk to new customers, and they don't actually always like the idea of having to, you know, rely on one meter and not have that choice. And so, um, you know, just an interesting thing as you look across um, people and what we we definitely see the trend that over the last few years, um, the BGM choice has become less and less important of a factor in the decision making as people kind of get more technologies around, um, you know, CGM uh, available to them. Yeah, I think that as long as people understand that, because I think Dexcom is still, it's interesting how you guys get kind of paired together in people's minds. I think of that as a good thing because I think you're the most kind of forward thinking companies in both areas. And so, but at mm-hmm. the same time, like you, you'll see people talk about all the time, like, Hey, but will my Omnipod thing th- show my Dexcom stuff? And I'm like, does your car show yeah. what your TV's watching? Like, like it's, it's <laughs> you, you know, like it's an interesting, like people melded together in their head cause they use them together. Yeah. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. what I'm hearing is if I'm right, I'm going to test my blood sugar with this new meter and Bluetooth, it's going to go right into the PDM anyway. So that's the information that's right. goes right in there. If I don't need insulin, I don't actually ever have to pull the Android device out, do I? I could just, like, if I test my blood sugar and it's 100, I just go, oh, okay, and I put it away and I'm That's done. Right. right. And, That's and, exactly right. And I can see my blood sugar on my phone. I don't have to have the PDM to see my blood sugar or my insulin on board or stuff like that. Is that right? 
That's right uh, as well. Yeah. So we have um, those two apps that I talked about. As a user, you'll have Omnipod Display, and Omnipod Display will show virtually all of your PDM data on your phone in a secondary display app. So you can just click on your app and it'll show you last bolus, insulin on board, um, kind of all of the key stats uh, that you have on your PDM. Mm -hmm. Um, And that same information will be available in what we call our Omnipod View app. And so the View app is essentially the follower app um, and that will enable caregivers to view a potter's key data remotely. Um, and it will, it's the content is pretty much the same, you know, last bolus and slot on board dashboard history, all of that stuff will be available on the mobile phone. Okay. And is there in your mind, is there a path to one day the FDA saying you don't need this lockdown device? We'll let you bolus through your smartphone. Do you think it ever comes? I do. I do. I think it comes and I don't think it's that far away. Okay. And we talked a little bit about this last time, Scott. Yeah. I, you know, we've been in active discussions around this. It's the number one request that we get from our customers um, and our yet-to-be customers. Is people, you know, especially now as we move to a mobile device, which people love because it's discreet. I mean, it is a cell phone-looking device, um, and it's a locked-on cell phone. People, the next question intuitively is, you know, where do we go from here, and why can't I just use my cell phone? Now it's a it's a more complex issue. I think we talked about that too. If if um, you know, you think about all of the use cases that you're designing for. So what happens when you're giving yourself a bolus and you get a telephone call, or um, you know, or you download some app and it interferes with the the product or the performance of the insulin delivery app. All of those things are um, security questions and behavior questions that we need to answer for the FDA. Mm-hmm. And we've got a pretty significant effort underway trying to do that. That's cool. I, I would imagine, do you, are the cell phone companies involved in those conversations too, like Apple and Android? Do, you, do they get involved in that part of it or no? They do. Um, and, uh, you know, if you think about it, the way that the FDA works, if we wanted to uh, try to uh, get a phone control app out there, we would probably start with one uh, phone or one group of phones because you, you really need a deep development effort. Um, and so you would probably do that in conjunction with a phone company. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so, and so, but your apps that are going to come out to work in conjunction with Dash, hopefully by the end of the year around there'll be Android and Apple available right away. They're display. And so the first ones to come will be Apple, iOS. Um, Just the development pathway is a little bit faster for them, but we're already underway on the development tied to Android as well. So those will come as sort of fast followers to the uh, iOS apps. Cool. Um, Okay, great. Uh, Do you want to move on to Medicare? Because (laughs) because as much as I now think I understand that I still don't think I understand it that much. (laughs) I think I understand that something great happened on the political side. Okay, Shacey will be back in just a second to talk about Medicare, Horizon Artificial Pancreas, address all the questions that you guys sent to me, which are too numerous to mention here. We're also gonna talk about the growth of Omnipod as far as their manufacturing goes and globally. That's right, Australia, I asked about you. But first, let's talk about the Dexcom G5 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Actually, I think Dexcom's gonna be back on the show pretty soon too, but that's neither here nor there at the moment. I had a very interesting experience this weekend when I spoke at a JDRF event. I was standing in front of a room full of people explaining concepts that we talk about here on the podcast, like being bold with insulin and pre-bolusing and things like that. I could tell by people's faces how they were nodding along and the questions that they were asking that they were understanding. But then I put up graphs from Arden's Dexcom. And when I started pointing and saying, look, here, I pre-bolused here and this happened. The food went in here and here's how they reacted with each other. This is how I kept her blood sugar stable at 90 during a meal full of carbs. That was the moment. Man, did that just set off fireworks in people's heads. The data that you get back from the Dexcom CGM is the key to making great decisions with your type 1 diabetes. It's the key to understanding how to manipulate insulin. So we're talking and then this one woman raises her hand and says, well, what do you do while your daughter's at school? And I said the exact same thing. She didn't understand. And that's when I was able to explain that Dexcom has a share and follow feature that's available for Android or Apple phones. When that young mother found out that she could see her child's blood sugar while they were out of the house, the look on her face was absolutely heartwarming. I hope you go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to find out more. There are also links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. Do you want to move on to Medicare? 
we as a company have been working for, I would say, three years now on um, four key initiatives. And one is awareness around the product, um, you know, making sure that people know it's a choice. Uh, the second was customer, and this is in no order, but customer experience. We felt like through product quality, through customer support, we had an opportunity to really drive improvements there and be best in class. Uh, the third is on innovation and, you know, accelerating Dash to market and the rest of the product pipeline. And then the fourth was on access. And we just really understand how important access is to all of those things, to the customer experience, um, to whether or not we can afford to bring innovation to the market and to awareness. Access plays a role in all of those things. And so um, for three years now, our CEO's top priority has been to get uh, Medicare Part D. And everybody in the organization has been involved. Many people across the community, including uh, all of our customer base, we had something like, um, uh, gosh, 30 or 40,000 letters that came from uh, Omnipod users to CMS and to Congress. Uh, professional associations like ACE and Endo, JDRF, uh, and other advocacy groups. Just a ton of people who helped us in accomplishing this and who over the last three years have hung with us and really provided their advocacy on behalf of, of the community. So all of that uh, resulted in a huge win in early January where CMS issued guidance that clarified that um, Medicare Part D sponsors um, can now provide coverage for Omnipod. And by the way, not just Omnipod, but other uh, technologies that deliver insulin into the body. So this is a, a broad win. They, they clarified specifically Omnipod, but it's actually a win for multiple technologies for the community. Um, it's interesting, I think, and maybe not intuitive to the community because we were approved under Part D, which is the drug benefit, mm -hmm. as opposed to Part B or DME, which is where all the other insulin pumps are approved. We sort of saw it going this way, um, and so uh, we're really excited about what this could mean for the customer experience, and I can talk a little bit about that. But, uh, but I think that's why the, the community was left thinking, okay, do I have access today, and do I have access like I do with other insulin pumps? And the answer to both of those questions is not quite. Um, so it's huge news because, you know, of the million and a half people that live with type 1 diabetes in the United States, almost a third of them uh, you know, have either Medicare or Medicaid coverage. And this decision gives them a pathway to access. But we've got a lot of work to do between now and uh, really the fall to make sure that we can get broad access to all of these uh, individuals. So what we'll do now, uh, so we've got this guidance. Now what our job is, is to go to, there's roughly a dozen um, Plan D sponsors. So these are insurance plans and providers that basically uh, provide care and coverage to Medicare beneficiaries. Uh, something like nine of them cover 80 or 90% of the 45 million uh, patients that are covered through uh, Medicare. We'll go to each of them uh, and negotiate uh, access and pricing so that uh, starting in 2019, all Medicare beneficiaries will have access to Omnipod. And that's the work that's already underway. Our team is off and running with that and, and making good progress. That process does not sound fun at all. <laughs> it, really, it really doesn't. Does this make it possible for people to one day go into a pharmacy and get their Omnipods? That is the goal. You know, now CMS has clearly designated us a pharmacy product. We've got today um, maybe 10 to 15% of our business going through the pharmacy channel. Mm -hmm. And um, what we hear from our, uh, from our users and from their clinicians is that the experience is just much easier. Um, so in many cases, it's a physician writing an e-prescription. You don't have the prior authorization process. You don't have the vendors involved like you do on the DME side. Yeah. The turnaround time is typically, you know, a fraction of what it is on the DME side for a patient who's interested to actually get the product. Um, and so the experience is much, much better, both for the clinic as well as for um, the user, for the patient. And so um, we're hopeful that we can bring those same benefits now to a broader group of our customers now that we've got this official designation and to Medicare and Medicaid beneficiaries. Um, but the, the vision is that, you know, a physician would write an e-prescription and the patient would go to the pharmacy and pick up their pods where they pick up their uh, insulin and, and the rest of their supplies. And you don't have to deal with, um, you know, intermediaries and, and other more burdensome processes. 
would that open up the, that processing process for people who aren't on Medicaid or Medicare, or would it just be for them? Yeah. No, it would be for uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and commercial uh, patients as we get more and more pharmacy access. But the the reason why we sort of link Medicaid and Medicare is that once you have CMS guidance for Medicare, most Medicaid plans sort of follow the lead on CMS guidance. And so uh, our team is now going to all of these Medicare plan providers. We're also in the process of going to all the Medicaid uh, plans and um, educating them on CMS's guidance and then doing that pull through at the Medicaid level as well. So we're going to make good progress this year on both fronts, but probably the big um, broadening of access occurs in 2019. Well, I, I can think of a company that I have to talk to uh, frequently to get my Omnipods from that I'm very excited never to speak to again. So that's great. <laughs> uh, I mean... They're a horror. <laughs> you're not, yeah, you're not the first person to say that to me. And, and that's one of the things that, you know, we, we have prioritized the customer experience at Insulet. And so, you know, we've invested a lot in improving customer care, in staffing uh, at larger levels, and in trying to, um, you know, make the customer experience across the board improved. And a big piece of that is access. How do you get your products? How do you, what sort of um, burdens do you have to go through on a monthly or annual basis to do that? And and pharmacy, for us, at least in the early stages, has demonstrated um, a really improved experience there. No, I think I would completely agree with that. I, and I also think it's nice for you to get to explain it because it feels like when you're, you know, when you're at home and you see something on your line, oh, look, they, they said okay to this. That's pretty much what you hear. And then, you know, yeah. it doesn't happen for a year and a half and you think, well, nobody cares, but there's a process in place that needs to be followed yeah. that, that, you know, takes, it takes head, right. count, head count, it takes effort, it takes, it takes a lot, you know, to make this happen. That's right. Just briefly, if you go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, you can get a free, no obligation demo pod. Omnipod will send you out a non-functioning pod, but you can still adhere it to yourself and see what it's like to wear it and get a real feel for the form and the fit and the comfort. And then from there, if you're happy with it, you contact them back and they can help you get the process going. That's it. No big ad. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juicebox. You can always find those links in your show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. And in these notes for this episode, there's also going to be links to clinical trials with Omnipod if you want to try to get on their Horizon Artificial Pancreas trial. Uh, there's phone numbers for those of you who are current customers who want to keep Medicare going. There's going to be a lot in the show notes this week, so make sure you take a look. All right, that's it. Back to Shacey. That's right. And we have, um, we've sort of made those investments ahead of time. So we're already off and running. I think we've actually had discussions with every uh, Part D plan sponsor now. So we're already in the negotiation process. Mm -hmm. We've also staffed up a hotline and a group within our customer care function to help um, customers go through the Part D exception process. And so uh, Natalie can provide that information um, to you if you wanted to put it in your call notes or, or whatever makes sense. But for people who this year are going to age off into Medicare, we should be able to get them continuity of care while we work through, uh, you know, getting established uh, coverage and access on all these plan sponsors. And for new patients that are coming on that are 65 with the anticipation of this changing in 19, we should also be able to help them. So we've got a team of people that are simply just walking uh, those types of uh, people through the exception process, and and we've had good success with that so far. That just honestly gave me chills. That's really exciting that you you guys are going to put the effort into doing that. Thank you. That's that's really cool. Okay, so yeah. speaking of what it takes to ramp up to do more, I joke about this every time you're on. There was a moment a number of years ago where I started thinking like, oh, Omnipod's just going to go away, and then a whole <laughs> new group of people came in, and now I think, wow, they are on fire. Yeah. So not only are you building a new facility in in mass, but you're expanding in the rest of the world. I'm I'm in Europe and I'm hoping other places because when we get to our questions at the end from from listeners, there are a lot of people asking for Omnipod not just in America. I noticed that. So you have a global audience, Scott. Fantastic. I, I have to tell you that some days I look at the map and I think, why are people listening there? I don't speak that language even close. But yeah, it's, it is really, the internet is, uh, it's everywhere, as you know, Shacey. So uh, it works, yeah. it works pretty quickly. But it's, um, uh, yeah, so when I started hearing back, you know, 
Canadians, I'm always used to Canadians being like, please stop forgetting us, because that's, I think, how they feel. But now, you know, I guess growth is is good because more people in the around the world are, are talking about Omnipod. So what are you doing yeah. internationally right now, and, and what's the timelines for yeah. stuff like that? Well, it's fantastic. You know, we um, just... Uh, and we annually we update uh, for the for the investment community our user base, and we just announced that we finished 2017 between 140 and 145,000 active users. That's a 30% year-over-year increase in the installed base. Um, so just tremendous growth, which is why we're making these investments in U.S. manufacturing and in the international expansion. Actually, Canada was our first step into becoming a global company. So just about two years ago now, we acquired um, the distribution back from uh, GSK in the Canadian market, and that has been hugely successful for us. And and so we've seen tremendous growth there. We've built a really strong team there. The customer satisfaction scores are very high and um, it's just been a, a tremendous win for us. And so that's when we started to think about, um, you know, it, that was successful. It was a bit of a pilot. Mm-hmm. And how do we really uh, establish the global footprint that we want to? How do we not depend on distributors uh, to deliver the customer experience, deliver innovation to the market, and determine when and how we enter into new markets? And so uh, we made the decision um, now almost a year ago uh, to go direct in our European markets. Um, And so that will happen on July 1st of this year. We're transitioning our European customers to to Insulet from the existing distributor who is Ipsamed. This is actually a big undertaking because there's anticipated to be somewhere between 50 and 60,000 customers that will be transitioning from Ipsamed to Insulet. We've had uh, people on the ground now for quite a while. We've got um, a growing team there. We've got our European headquarters established and uh, we now have entities across the market in all the markets in which we compete. So really exciting progress. Um, Last week, we were in uh, Vienna, or I guess the week before last, in Vienna for um, ATTD, which was our first time exhibiting at a European conference as Insulet as opposed to as, you know, as Ipsamed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, really making great progress there. July 1st, we will have, uh, actually at that time, we're estimated to have somewhere around 65,000 users, um, and they will become Omnipod Insulet customers. Um, and so really, really excited about that. What that does... Um, one is turn us into a global company. Um, by the end of 18, I think you know we'll be virtually half and half in terms of how many customers exist internationally versus how many customers exist in the U.S. And so a lot of our time and energy in Insulet is spent on you know how do we uh, really make sure that we've got uh, innovation plans that contemplate the global market needs. Um, how do we make sure that we're setting up for success across access, awareness, et cetera, depending on the unique market needs of these international markets uh, across Europe, Canada, uh, and other markets. And then the great thing about this is it deter- it also allows us to enter into new markets uh, when, um, when we want to. And so there are a ton of markets, like you mentioned, Australia, um, that are that we know want Omnipod, and we haven't been able to move forward in those markets because of our relationship with Ipsamed. So this now unlocks uh, our capability in doing that as well. And we're looking very hard at new markets in Australia, New Zealand, looking at new markets across Europe. I think, uh, you know, candidly, I think that's going to be a 19 event mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, or maybe sometime towards the end of 18, uh, because we've just got a lot of work to do to make sure that we um, transition this business successfully and ensure continuity of care for all of the fast-growing European markets, and then we'll start to get to work on new market entries. Well, again, you're moving quickly because you had to dissolve that relationship with Ipsamed to even make these moves. So, yep. and that didn't happen yeah. that long ago. So that I think it's it's good. So Australia has got to hold on a little longer, and um, a little longer. Yeah, yeah. And listen, <laughs> these num- here's what I just learned from what you told me about these numbers. I don't charge enough for the ads on the podcast. That's what I just figured out. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so I, don't, I didn't hear the rest of it, Chasey, but I heard that. So no, I'm, just, I'm kidding. You are good. <laughs> so, um, well, that is really, I mean, that is genuinely exciting. You sent one of my favorite British people out of the country, um, and, and he's now in, in England working hard on, on Dom. this. Yeah, Dom's gone. Yeah. He is, you know, he had his first child in, in uh, the UK, actually. So your so. business model changed his kid's 
nationality. Basically. <laughs> nationality, citizenship. Yeah. That's right. Look what you just did. Your citizenship was the, the baby citizenship. We are truly global now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> You're just trying to build a employee um, around the world. That's all. That's excellent. That's well. Congrats. That's right. Congratulations. No one knows Dom, but trust me. Dom saved me one time at a dinner meeting when I was being myself and the other people were like, I don't get why we're involved with this guy. And Dom was like, I think he's funny. And I was like, thank God. Uh, so <laughs> that, That's excellent. So yeah, let's, so I want to, I want to talk a little bit about, about what you guys are doing because, you know, people don't, companies don't often build their own merchandise. And so yeah. to me, it sounds like a, an incredible confidence on the company's part to build a manufacturing facility. Um, and you're going to fold your headquarters in like, this is all going to happen in one place at some point. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Is that whole thing's going to be together? That's right. Okay. Yeah. And in fact, you know, so it is, it's a massive investment. You're right. And it's a, certainly a signal to how confident we are. We're investing um, probably close to $200 million in Acton in um, create, you know, acquisition of the site um, all of the uh, building and customization of the site, and then in the automated, there's this—it's really amazing the innovation and highly automated manufacturing equipment that we are building. Um, we've got some of the, you know, just tremendously talented automation engineers that are working with our partner to create all that equipment. Mm -hmm. And I think you know, if we say as a company. Um, I said, you know, four things were important to us, access, awareness, customer experience, and innovation. If customer experience and innovation are truly important to us, then we need to manufacture our own products. And we need to have um, manufacturing close to R&D because we're going to be launching a new product every year for the next five years. And you have to get great at technology transfer, process transfer, and the link between manufacturing and uh, innovation. And so all of those things led us to say, uh, hey, we really uh, want to invest in the United States uh, close by, and uh, we want to be able to manufacture our own products. This will enable us to um, you know, have automation around uh, QC, it will enable us to have an innovation line so that we can get uh, really good at transferring innovations from R&D to uh, the facility. And we're doing all of this in Acton, uh, in Acton Massachusetts. So uh, that's where our new plant will be. It's about, um, gosh, maybe uh, 15 miles from where we are today. And uh, the facility is uh, enormous um, and uh, really is being designed uh, for our needs. And so uh, we'll have a lot of flexibility for growth on the manufacturing side. Um, and we'll be moving all of our uh, functions over there uh, between now and really the beginning of 2019. And we plan to be up and running uh, in manufacturing at the beginning of 19. And we're on track uh, to do that. It's um, it's a really exciting move for us. It's I don't think there's a lot of companies, uh, frankly, a lot of U.S. companies that are creating manufacturing jobs in the United States. Yeah. Um, so it's really exciting to be able to make that investment and create jobs right here in Massachusetts. Um, but I think it's even more exciting what this could mean for our ability to deliver innovation to the market more quickly and uh, what it can mean in terms of the customer experience because of quality and reliability and cost of the product uh, out of our U.S. plant. It just makes sense that, I mean, if your R&D has an idea about, I don't know, anything, changing the form factor of the pot or, or anything that happens on the inside of it, you're taking out a full step of having to go then to the people who tool those machines and, and make the products. And I, it just sounds like it's obviously more efficient. I'm also thinking on the business side, did Acton offer to rename the town Insulate when you decided to put the building there? <laughs> I got to tell you, they were so uh, supportive. I mm. mean, really, Acton, uh, Massachusetts Gover uh, Governor Baker, um, uh, Charlie Baker, and his Life Sciences Commission, um, they just were terrific in terms of helping us find the location, in terms of um, making sure that we had the right structure and incentives in place to make that investment. Um, and the town could not be more welcoming. I mean, even my husband and I have been out to dinner a couple times in Acton where people find out that we work for Insled and they come over and bring free appetizers mm -hmm. or free desserts. I mean, it's just that people are really excited. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, it's, it's a great story because, you know, they're excited, obviously, for the jobs and the investment, but they're also excited to be associated with the story of Insled and the fact that we actually make a difference in people's lives, that we're, we're working to ease the burden associated with this disease. Everybody 
knows of diabetes. Um, you know, they may not know the specifics, but usually their life is touched by diabetes. So to have kind of that kind of story and that kind of mission in their backyard, and people are really excited about it. So it's been uh, just a ton of fun getting to know the town and, um, and you know, watching our facility go up before our very eyes. I just toured it uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it's really coming together nicely. Put in a nice uh, conference room, and we'll bring the podcast up there, do it live for the people in Boston. Yeah, we'll have, you know, you have to come because we're, we're going to have um, sort of the manufacturing, uh, a walk around uh, hallway with visibility to all the manufacturing. So you'll have to come and, and see the pods coming off the line uh, once we're up and running in just actually about six months. That's excellent. I just got a note today from someone who said, how come you're not speaking in, in Boston this year? And I said, well, I, I don't, I don't, nobody invited me. And, uh, <laughs> but, and, but I said, uh, cause I'm doing it in a number of other places. And I always talk to Natalie. I'm like, we should just do it like, you know, there's plenty of people to come that want to come out and, and talk. So it'd be a great way to bring people from the community yeah. around to see to see the manufacturing too. But nevertheless, that's yeah. that's that's down the road. Uh, so you have, I'm going to admit to not understanding your pipeline correctly, um, okay? Because it came out on a on a chart a couple of I feel like it's been a while now, and I looked at it, and back then I didn't understand the difference between Dash and Horizon, so I was confused there. And then there was other things happening, but. I'd like you to sort of lay out how you think the the timeline of your of your pipeline looks at the moment. Sure. Is that fair. Yeah. So uh, first to market, obviously, this year uh, will be Dash, um, and that will launch uh, sometime in a limited market release, sometime in June or July. I, really, that's pending FDA clearance, mm-hmm. um, and then go into full market release six months following that. Then the next product to market will be Omnipod U500, and that's bound to hit the market sometime in 19. Um, and that's our partnership with Lilly to get their concentrated U500 approved out of Omnipod, and that will be based on the Dash platform. So all the benefits that you get with Dash, plus a very um, uh, a user interface that's been very much tailored to the U500 user, uh, and the ability to use that concentrated insulin out of the vi- or out of the pod. Um, so that will happen in in nineteen. In uh, sometime in nineteen twenty, will also come Horizon. So I'll set that aside because I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. And then twenty twenty uh, will be U two hundred, and U two hundred is um, is twice the concentration. So U five hundred is five times the concentration of U one hundred, and U two hundred is twice the concentration. Both of those uh, products also have very unique, very cool user interfaces that have been designed specifically for. Um, you know, a type two user and in the case of U500, a U500 user. So, you know, there's just different language used among uh, those user groups. For example, um, insulin on board, insulin carb ratios, those are terms that are not necessarily widely used or understood among the average type two um, uh, insulin dependent um, uh, patient. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we have worked to kind of simplify the user interface and to use terminology and uh, workflows that uh, kind of fit, you know, the needs of that that segment. Uh, so that comes in 1920. Um, really excited because, you know, in the United States, um, there's Stacey, just I stop as many you. people. I need to stop you for a second because you've done it twice and you're starting to confuse me. <laughs> it's 1920 okay. was a while ago. It's 2020. <laughs> 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 okay, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> this is confusing. 2019 or 2020. There we thank go. you. No problem. Yeah, so 2019 <laughs> is a U500, and then 2020 is um, is U200. Okay. And uh, those two products basically will help us meet the needs of people who live with type 2 insulin-dependent diabetes. They typically require uh, higher volumes of insulin on a daily doses. So rather than make the pod bigger, or the reservoir bigger uh, to give them more insulin. We have concentrated the insulin so that we can keep the form factor and actually um, still meet their needs uh, with a three-day uh, pod change. So that's that's what comes in 19, 2019 mm-hmm. and 2020. Can I ask a question about that? Do you see any type ones taking advantage of that? Because I'm of the mindset that I would just rather change the pod more frequently. Um, but yeah. but some people yeah. aren't. Do you, do you see some people using it for type one and I do, particularly U200. U500 is kind of unique just in its onset to action. And it's actually one of Lily's fastest growing molecules, but it's a smaller, more niche, um, you know, user group that uses U500. Mm -hmm. U200 has a very similar onset of action and I think will be used by people living with both uh, type 1 and type 2. 
uh, insulin-dependent diabetes. And so I, I think um, that you may see that. And, and, and so that's actually why the user interfaces are slightly different. So the U500 user interface is really designed really with just the type 2 user in mind. The U200 user interface is designed for both type 1 and type 2. So there's a slight difference there in terms of how the user interface uh, is presented. So we do think that that product will be used by both patients, both patient groups. Cool. I have one quick question before we get to the listener questions. So you you talked about a a 30% increase this year in users. Do you have a forecast for next year that you can share or is it not public? Yeah, we... Yeah, we forecasted a 20% uh, increase in users this year. Uh, the difference there, the reason why it's uh, slightly less, although still really incredible growth, is uh, because in Europe, our focus is on um, transitioning the base as opposed to growing it. So uh, what we're forecasting is that uh, our European customer base will remain relatively flat. Revenue goes up because um, we're going direct there, but we're just focused entirely on transitioning those existing customers as opposed to growing in 2018. Uh, and then the U.S. will continue to grow. Actually, growth accelerates, according to our forecast, in 2018 versus uh, 2017. So really, uh, just another terrifically you know, exciting year for us uh, ahead of us in, in 2018. What's the most important pathway to growth? Is it, is it relationships with insurance or is it people understanding what the product is? Do you think one's more important than the other or are they equally... I think they're so intertwined, it's hard to separate them. Okay. You know, um, access to me is it, for medical devices is just foundational for, it's foundational for awareness, it's foundational for customer experience, and, you know, it's foundational for cost, and um, that's part of the customer experience. And so it's why it's been such a huge focus of ours. Um, and it's certainly, as we've expanded access, just we've established stronger commercial access, we've established you know, uh, more Medicaid access, and now we're about to establish really broad Medicare and Medicaid access. I think that is uh, going to help us accelerate significantly. Um, so I think that's huge. And then awareness, we must be crossing a tipping point now in awareness. It's probably because of the Juice Box podcast I that I so. keep doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, for sure. Um, well, no, it's just. But it's, I do. I do think we're 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 at a sort of inflection point for awareness. You know, I, I was. I can't remember who I was telling, but I was in Nashville for uh, a weekend, and I went down to get coffee at the the lobby of the hotel, and I was wearing a pretty nondescript black fleece with an Omnipod logo on it. And uh, the guy giving me my coffee he said, "Are you a Potter?" And I said, uh, "No, well, I mean I work for." Thank you for, for seeing our marketing. <laughs> <laughs> And he said he was a potter. He was so excited about it. He bought my coffee for me. He was just like, it's the best thing ever, you know? And so it just, those experiences didn't happen when I first started here at Insulet. And now it just seems like, you know, I regularly run into people who are familiar with or actually using uh, Omnipod, which is is great to see because that just, um, you know, sort of compounds on itself once you really uh, hit a certain uh, threshold. Okay. All right. So I'm going to hit you fast with these these listener questions because we're down to 20 minutes. All right. We can do it though. Okay. Um, I think okay. We, we've already for Dash. We've already covered the launch time in the U.S. Limited role in June. Hopefully everything by the end of the year, uh, 2018. Um, you talked a lot about the apps that will um, that will work on the users' phones and on and caregivers' phones. So I think we understand that pretty well. Um, again, like I said, a lot of people intertwine these things when they're asking questions. Will my Dash information be able to show my Dexcom information? So can I see Dexcom on Dash or Dexcom on an app? You will be able to see, you'll have integrated viewing of Dexcom data and Omnipod data via your mobile phone. So we we actually made a conscious decision not to do hardware integration because of what we saw in the market. Mm you know, people were, pump companies were not keeping up with sensor yes. uh, innovation. So, you know, you sometimes your pump wouldn't, uh, wouldn't match up with your uh, current G5 sensor, for example. And we also see in market research that our users oftentimes will go back and forth between different types of sensors or BGMs and sensors. And so we made the conscious decision to go to the mobile phone with our data so that you could integrate with whatever sensor you're using and integrate with whatever fitness data and other apps that you're using to help um, manage your um, 
your diabetes and your your decisions around uh, blood glucose. So what that means immediately with Dash is that uh, if you have an iPhone, you'll be able to have your two widgets right uh, next to each other. So you'll have a Dexcom widget and you'll have uh, an Omnipod widget right on your phone. So you just you know click on your phone. You don't actually even have to go into an app and you'll have your data uh, available and visible right next to each other. Perfect. And then as we get further along in the development with other sensors, et cetera, and, uh, and even more integrated viewing with uh, Dexcom in terms of data overload, that's all goals for us. But uh, when the product launches, you'll have that type of integration on your mobile phone. So not on the device, but on your mobile phone. Very cool. And insulin on board is visible in the view app. Uh, we said yes to that. So that's good. Android, we understand, will come after Apple, but you did you learn from Dexcom's trip up? So you, do you think you can make it happen faster than they did? I, I think we can make it happen faster, there yes. Um, in fact, Nat- Natalie should be able to follow up with you. We, we probably even have some sort of forecast on that. I just don't know it off the top of my head. Okay, um, okay so here comes the next question. Once you, Whenever you say you're going to transfer from one device to another one, something I've paid for already and you want to give me another one, I saw the question so often you know, what's the pathway to obtain a new PDM? Or is it, is it going to cost me any money? Um, you know, yeah. if I really need one, meaning mine's on last legs or I'm out of warranty, do I get um, any kind of, you know, do I get to bump to the front of the line? How about that kind of stuff? Hey, I just wanted to jump in here and say, if you're new to the podcast and you just came in to hear from Shacey today, or you don't listen every week, but you come in every once in a while, please consider subscribing and trying out some more of the episodes. I think you would find a lot of great information that might be, uh, you know, pretty helpful in your living your day-to-day life with type 1 diabetes. Hearing people's stories, hearing about management ideas, it's good stuff. Let's say this too. We're 45 minutes in. We've got about 15 more minutes to go. If you're excited about what you're hearing from Shacey about where Omnipod is going, please visit myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to try their free no obligation demo pod. Get started today with Omnipod. What's the pathway to obtain a new PDM? So um, there will be a pathway for everybody to obtain the new system, um, and we're very committed to making that pathway totally accessible. <laughs> so I wish I could give you more insight than that, mm-hmm. um, but at this point I can't yet. Um, but as the product launches, it'll become uh, abundantly clear. And our goal is really to have everybody have access to the um, uh, to the PDM. And if you paid for your existing PDM. Um, we certainly don't want you to have to pay twice um, or pay more or anything like that. So we're working on all of those pathways. And as we launch, maybe as we get closer to launch, it would make sense for um, for us to be back on this show, really talking about, um, you know, those opportunities. But we fully understand this is a concern, um, you know, for our customers and we're going to do the right thing. There you go. I think I know one of the things you guys are hoping to do and I wish I could say it out loud, but it's very cool. <laughs> Hopefully you'll <laughs> Me get too. To and yeah. so as we get closer, we'll be shouting it from the rooftops, um, hopefully on this podcast. Let's see. Will new pods be required? So if you have the new PDM, will I need, like, I, the question really is, I have a stockpile of pods at my house. Are they going to work with yeah. the new PDM? And they won't because the current um, communication is uh, radio fre- it's proprietary radio frequency mm-hmm. communication, and this will move to Bluetooth. So there's actually Bluetooth going into the pod as well as the PDM. Um, and so uh, you won't be able to use your new PDM with your old pods and vice versa. Okay, so everybody who's got a zombie apocalypse pile of pods somewhere, start using them up and uh, save on your... That's right. Sa- save, you don't have to buy any <laughs> next time they're available. Um, I think we've That's gone right. over why there's no BG meter in the PDM. Um, there was a question about w- when you get under 50 units, why it only says 50 units. Um, and so does the new PDM have the ability to show more specific... Um, measurements. The PDM, so as it relates to remaining insulin, um, it will operate the same way as the current system. So it still will go down to sort of um, thresholds like 50 plus and 50 uh, less. It won't get more specific than that. I, you know, I'm, I, uh, 
don't know, Scott, frankly, off the top of my head, why that decision was made, um, but I can certainly look into it. It's got to be something to do with the technology it takes to make the I, measurement. You that would think. be my guess, too. I don't know what the technical feasibility is and uh, right. and probably some concern over specific accuracy, What you know, wanting to make sure that whatever information we're providing is absolutely accurate. I don't and trust so my get... car when it says I'm under 30 miles. I know. I'm like, I'm just getting <laughs> exactly. gas right now. Um, let's see. So... Uh, is there any way to authorize data shares with a healthcare provider? New PDM. Yeah, actually, users can do that today through Insulet provided Gluco. Um, so today, if you use Gluco, which we provide to Omnipod users, um, you can authorize your uh, clinic or your clinician or your physician to see that data. Um, but you'll be able to do that with Dash too. So our View app um, will enable uh, you to share your data with up to five. Um, other people, so caregivers, school nurses, clinicians, whoever you decide that those five people are. So you'll, you will definitely be able to do that via Dash and the Omnipod View app, but uh, you can actually do that today with Gluco. So. For all the people who are hanging on to the things that they love most, um, when's the, is there a drop dead when your PDM, your old PDM stops working that there won't be another old PDM to replace? Like if I don't want the Dash, which wasn't a lot of questions, but it was asked a couple of times. So if I don't want the dash, mm -hmm. how long am I going to be able to make do with the one I have until you just don't yeah, have Yeah, we them don't anymore? have plans right now to obsolete the existing um, platform. So we're not going to force everybody to convert quickly to Dash. Mm -hmm. That said, all of the market research would indicate that I think everybody's going to want to convert to Dash when they become familiar with the technology and all of its benefits. So we'll see how that goes, but we don't have plans right now to force the conversion at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm, I can't even remember if we said this, so I'm just going to ask again. Timeline, for, when does the PDM happen in Canada? So we're uh, look we're underway now. So we'll we'll once we get FDA approval, we'll reference that approval for Health Canada. Mm -hmm. And there's a small a bit of development work that needs to happen around millimoles. Um, so you know they use a different unit of measure in Canada, and so uh, all of those things are kind of underway. Um, but once we get FDA approval, we'll then submit for Health Canada clearance. I'm sorry, FDA clearance. We'll then submit for uh, Health Canada. Uh, clearance and then uh, roll out our distribution plan from there. So I, sometime probably in early 19 would be my guess. Okay. And then the thing we talked about earlier for Australia, you're not going to show up in Australia with old PDMs. So they'll, <laughs> when you get that going, that'll be all, that'll start with Ash, I imagine. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure about that because okay. the original uh, registration in Australia was tied to the original platform. So we're evaluating oh. what it would take to update it or launch and then convert at some point. Um, and there's a there's a really growing demand there. So we want to do whatever route to market is going to happen faster. Okay. And as you might know, uh, you know, our uh, medical director, Dr. Trang Lai, is Australian. And she literally asks me about this <laughs> on a weekly basis, um, even from her maternity leave. <laughs> and so we're very eager to get this done. She gets personal emails. All of us get, um, you know, patient outreach and community outreach from Australia. And so we, we want to get there as quickly as we can. That might be with the current platform. Uh, and then we'd have to make a plan to convert to the, to the new one. I have a contingent of Australian listeners who are, um, they, they are persistent. So <laughs> and, and, and we, we talked earlier about, uh, the, the reasons why you wouldn't integrate Dexcom with the device. And I think that that's a leftover idea from years and years ago where that was the, it's how people were thinking of it. Like these things are all just going to be together one day. And, um, yeah. and it's just what you said just made a lot of sense to me because if you start combining things, then there's going to be countless iterations of your product, which makes it, I think, impossible to service. And then I, I just think that keeping them the way you describe keeping them apart makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and we, we, want, we want our users to be able to use whatever sensor they want to use, right? And so that could be a G5, that could be a G4, G6 when it comes, whatever they're currently using. And by doing software integration on your mobile phone, that ensures that you can use whatever sensor, whatever generation of sensor at whatever period of time that you want. So that's how we were thinking about it. That said, our Horizon program is very much a fully integrated product because we're going to be dosing off of it. It's a complete system. And so that is... Uh, a completely integrated um, system. And I, I don't know if we touched on that in the development pipeline, but that's forecasted right now we're for the to, end of 19, early 20. Yeah, we're going to try to talk early about 19, that at the very end. I was saving that for the end, JC. I want people to listen okay. all the way through. Okay, we'll come back to that. 
<laughs> so someone, I wish I had the person's name asked this question because as soon as I saw this question, I thought, oh, I have thought this so many times and I already know how you're going to answer it. So it's a little defeating to ask, but I want to say it anyway. I set up a temp, an extended bolus, let's say. I say I'm going to do 10 units, 40% now and the rest over an hour. And 25 minutes into my extended bolus, I realize I need all of this insulin right now. At the moment, I have to cancel the extended bolus, look on the screen, see how much delivered, then do the math, and then create a new bolus. A lot, uh, this one person, I wish I knew their name, said, why can't I just choose between cancel and cancel and deliver? And I yeah. thought, wow, that's genius. But you can't do that. So tell me why. <laughs> well, it's a great, you're right. Um, we, we didn't do it. I don't know what the technical hurdles are, and I'm um, embarrassed to say that this is the first time I've heard that feedback because it does make total sense to me. I understand what you're asking, mm -hmm. um, but I know that Dash will operate similar to our current system in this way. The two things I will say, though, is, number one, we've made every function a lot easier in Dash. So everything, creating a new bolus, um, you know, canceling an extended bolus, et cetera, all of that takes a lot less time and a lot less taps, mm -hmm. so that process should be easier. And we did add, I know that's key, that request was key for pediatric um, population, and we did add two new features to Dash specifically for our pediatric population. And the first is zero basal, and then the other is uh, IC ratios down to one uh, and a tenth. And so I think, though, you know, we did try to add functionality where we could specifically for the pediatric patient population. I'll put that one on the list um, and see if there's something that we can do about it for future generations. Okay. Um, and for people who don't want concentrated insulin, is there any way to is there any way to make the Omnipod smaller but make it hold more insulin, Chasey? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have magic well, at Omnipod you know, that you can If I can use? wave a magic wand, exactly. <laughs> I would love to. I mean, I think, first of all, I'll say that, um, you know, there's always ongoing effort looking at optimizing uh, the size of the pod. Mm -hmm. We know that people would want that to be, you know, a Band-Aid or whatever, right. um, you know, whatever is very small and uh, if possible. And so um, there's a ton of technology, though, in that little pod. Um, and right now we feel like the space is very optimized and we'll continue to um, you know, to work on making the footprint smaller, et cetera. But, but really there was no way to make the reservoir bigger and make the pod smaller, which is why we went down concentrated insulin because we said, well, at least we can keep the same form factor that we know everybody loves and we can give them effectively more insulin just by concentrating it. And so that's where we went. Um, but I, I will say that we're always looking at how could we make the pod smaller um, over time. Um, uh, but making the pod smaller and making the reservoir bigger, that's a real challenge. I, I thought this morning, as I did my daughter's pod change, by the way, in 30 seconds before she ran out the door for school, was I wish people could see how easy <laughs> it is once you really know how to do it. But as I that's stuck awesome. it on her, I really thought, I was thinking about our conversation come up in a couple hours, and I thought it is spectacular how much is inside of this thing and yet yeah, and yet yeah. as a human being when i look at it i think why can't why can't like you, you know it's, yeah. it's it's sometimes you have to remember what you have is pretty good i guess so um yeah well and you know we do things like the drive mechanism for the auto insertion you know that that takes up space and so the trade-off would be you know manual insertion to maybe reduce the space but we know that all of our users love auto insertion so those are the trade-offs that we're always contemplating um as we think about next future generations of, you know, what the pod could look like and what the pod could be. I'll give you an easy one for your R&D to talk about. The clicking that happens before the auto insertion, I bet people would love it if that didn't happen. I don't know if that's possible. I'm assuming that, that the that there's something ramping up inside of it, but I see yep. in my daughter's been using it for years and years and years, and she still can't stop herself from counting the clicks. So, um, and, they, <laughs> and it doesn't always insert on the same amount of clicks. So when it goes in on the one she doesn't expect, she says words yeah. you wouldn't expect a 13-year-old to say just because, it's, <laughs> because it surprises her. Um, okay, you know, it's always going to be a big question, I guess. There are, I guess, most of your users, I'm assuming, don't have issues with the adhesive, but the ones who do with any medical device have. Do you, are you working on hypoallergenic yeah. versions yeah. of the adhesive? Yeah, that's the other thing that we're always working on. That you know, the adhesive is medical grade adhesive. Um, it's always an ongoing battle, though, because and if you look at, um, you know, we evaluate all of our global complaint rates and then always look to have um, various life cycle engineering efforts to help address any of those and help make sure that we're always driving improvement in performance. 
Um, and the thing with adhesive is the complaint rates are virtually the same for it's not sticky enough and or sensitivity. They're both very low, um, but I, I don't want to discount it because I know it's it's not a good user experience when it occurs. Right. And that's what any any device that's on body that's a wearable sure. uh, with adhesive is battling. Can you make it sticky enough? And yet, can you not uh, cause issues for people with sensitive skin? And there's there's a small group of people that are always going to have sensitivity towards uh, towards adhesives, and so that's that's what we're uh, balancing always. And there's there's an ongoing uh, life cycle engineering effort looking at how do you optimize uh, adhesives. We've been um, underway on that and made some good improvements actually tied to um, irritation and making sure that we reduce that down. Um, but I think we'll we'll continue. Th- that effort for a long time. I'll tell you that, and I'll just mention this here on the front of my blog is a uh, blog post that I did not write. It's written by a mother of a child who had an incredible reaction to an adhesive and she figured it out. It's, it's an interesting process, but everyone who refers to that blog post loves it. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. Um, it, you know, it sucks. It it. sucks. I don't think I've seen it, Scott, but I will definitely look at it and send it to our R and D group. Yeah, Yeah. It's really interesting. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, what are you guys doing? Do you, do you work on static, which, you know, every, when it gets super dry, some people have their Omnipods, you know, I guess error and we call it static. Um, the biggest, the best fix I've ever heard is duct tape, which is weird. So can you just put a piece Mm -hmm. of duct tape on the inside of the pod and we can get done or how does that work? Um, (laughs) I don't want to oversimplify. We don't have any data. (laughs) We don't have any confirmed data on the effectiveness of duct tape. Um, but uh, we have had significant research and development effort focused here. And in fact, this season, we tested some, um, a, a solution that, uh, that had really good results. We tested it in limited um, fashion, but I'm optimistic that next season we're going to see um, a different uh, performance as it relates to ESD. You know, as you said, this, this only hits us um, during cold, dry uh, months. So typically it starts to ramp up in December and then it starts to ramp down in February. Uh, so we're on kind of the back end of the season. But I think um, I think we've made some really good progress there. And I think our team actually is on the forefront of understanding ESD and wearable devices. Um, and we've just developed a tremendous amount of expertise here. So I think we've I think we've nailed it, but um, but we'll see for sure next season. Okay, and Chase, you have to go to a board meeting in like two minutes, so I have two other I questions do. that I have, I will get answers for and read into the podcast. Um, so let me just like end with as qu- much as you can say in ninety seconds about Horizon and where it's at and what we should expect time wise. Yeah, great. So Horizon, uh, our program is going uh, really, really well. We're now in our third IDE or investigative uh, device exemption study. Um, and that's about 120, 125 patients studied now, all the way down to age two. Um, and our algorithm has performed very well, been very safe during day and night uh, in adults, adolescents, pediatrics. Um, and we've had studies looking at it from 36 hours to in kind of more controlled clinical study, clinical environments, all the way through to kind of free living conditions in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a terrific time and range, uh, up to 85% in uh, time and range and less than 2% of hypoglycemia. So uh, really, you know, it, as good as it gets in terms of these early studies of these programs. And um, we're, we are really excited about uh, getting this one to market, forecasting kind of sometime in the late 2019, early 2020 timeframe. Is the goal to be able to set a user-defined blood sugar um, goal? Yes. Okay. Yes, we will have uh, multiple um, flexible set points so that uh, you're not sort of limited as you are in some of the current uh, systems. Okay, go tell the board you were doing the Juice Box podcast. I'm sure they'll understand. I think they will. Tell them to get out their phones <laughs> and, and subscribe. It's great to talk to you, You too, Chasey. Take care. Go ahead and run. Thanks. All right, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, I have a few things to say, but after that, there were a couple of your questions that Chasey and I didn't have time to get to. So I'll address them right after this. Huge thank you to Shacy and Omnipod for sponsoring the podcast and to Dexcom for also sponsoring. If you were just here today to find out more about Omnipod, I hope you stick around and try some other episodes. There are about a bazillion ways to listen to the Juicebox podcast. Sure, you can listen to juiceboxpodcast.com, but it is so much easier to listen on your phone, Apple or Android phone, doesn't matter which one. Let me just tell you a couple of the ways that people listen through iTunes. Hmm. 
that's not great because you got to be sitting at your desk. But if you're at your desk, not bad. Apple users, there's a podcast app on your phone called Podcasts. If you don't like that one, there's about a bazillion others. Let me tell you some of the ways that people listen. Pocket Cast, Podcast Addict, CastBox, iHeartRadio, Downcast, Player FM, Stage Fright, Podbean, Spotify, Breaker, Castro. Some of you listen at Google Play Music, Stitcher, iCatcher. There's more Echo, AntennaPod, Podkicker, Podkicker Pro. Some of you are even streaming it through a VLC. People are listening all different kinds of ways through QuickTime. Who's listening through QuickTime? Get yourself a podcast app on your phone if you're listening through QuickTime. Let me go on and take a minute to thank everyone for listening. Not only are there listeners in the United States and Canada, you are listening in Brazil, Argentina, Peru, Colombia, South Africa, Morocco, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Yemen. Where else? Hmm. Iraq, Turkey, France, Spain, United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Poland, Norway, Sweden, Russia, Kazakhstan. Who is listening to Kazakhstan? What's up, Kazakhstan? China, India, Pakistan, Australia, Indonesia, New Zealand, Japan, and South Korea. Seriously, thank you all for listening and for sharing the Juicebox podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Shacey. I hope you give an Omnipod a try. I hope you give Dexcom a try. But I want to thank you for giving the Juicebox podcast a try. I saw firsthand this week, like I talked about back in the Dexcom ad, I saw firsthand what it must be like for you to listen to the show. I saw that in person, and I am more motivated than ever to keep this podcast going. And now, the questions we didn't have time to get to. The first question I wasn't able to get to was about applying for clinical trials with Omnipod. I've put the instructions for that in the show notes of your podcast player, and if for some reason you use one of the apps that is funky with show notes, you can go to juiceboxpodcast.com, find this episode. It is episode 154, and the information will be there also. The next question was about beeping on the pod. So for instance, you put on a new pod and it reminds you, I think it's two hours later, that you've put on a new pod. That is a safety feature that the FDA requires. Why can't you silence it without the PDM? Interestingly enough, Omnipod did tell me that at one point they thought to build that functionality into the pod, like you could tap the pod to stop the beeping, but it was a cost prohibitive idea to add something to the pod that could register a tap. The shorter answer is that the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump has moments where it tells you to pay attention to the fact that you're wearing an insulin pump. This is FDA required. One of those times is, for instance, after a pod change. Also for hazard alarms like occlusions, low reservoir, or an expiring pod. The FDA thinks, and frankly, I agree, that there are times when you have to be reminded that you're wearing an insulin pump. Those that I just listed are are great examples. In the end, you can't, as a user, decide that you don't want those alarms. You can on some pumps, but on those pumps, remember, you are tethered to the pump, so the pump is always with you. With an Omnipod, you might put on a new pump in your kitchen and then go outside in your backyard for three hours. You just don't want to not be getting insulin and not know it. And there are some times when your attention needs to be drawn back around. You're busy. Listen, here it is. The Omnipod is so good at helping you to forget that you have type 1 diabetes. Sometimes it has to remind you. 